At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of August. Fair usage policy applies. love our intro god it makes me dance it's <laughs> that's all we were doing just before just always if you think we're gearing up to like get ready to talk about some serious shit we are interpretive dancing to the theme music always 100 of the time welcome to murder in the universe Ooh. <laughs> nice right short hot. loved yeah, it thanks uh so we hope we you liked your bonus episode last week on jumpene ramsey it got heated. 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 Hot. <laughs> Stovetop hot. Burning. Uh, welcome back to our second last episode of our Tasmanian season. I cannot believe how long we've been doing this podcast. Pretty much a year? More than a year now. More than a year. We've been – yeah, because I found that – I I have a highlights reel on my Instagram, which is just all of me and Ellen's like Instagram stories. And I found the first video of like, we'd had the meeting with Zane and it was like good to go that we were going to do a test of Mitlu. Yeah. And we were so excited. And now we're like, (sighs) fucking, (laughs) we're going to be better in the land. We were just saying we, um, so Zane, um, our podcast producer, so TNC, which is the podcast family that we're a part of, there are about like, over 20 podcasts on this network. I think at last count it was 8 million. Yeah, great. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the podcasts have these like cardboard placards that hang up in Zane's pod loft uh, where we record and also where Zane lives. And uh, when we got ours, we were like a bit teary and like we're like, oh, my God. We're like, we made this it onto is- the wall of podcasts. And now we were like, if you remove us from the top spot, We'll kill you. We'll end you. We're the top dogs. We've we've really changed. We have. Ah, fame's gone to our heads. It has. How non-existent fame has gone to our heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my turn this week, um, and I, because I don't really know much about Tasmania, Ellen told me about this case and I was intrigued about it and there was a Forensic Files episode about it. Can we just have a quick minute to talk about how incredible Forensic Files is? It's so dramatic. Have like, you are you a are you a I never Files was fan? I never was, but Whew. um I got uh I remember when I had appendicitis, I got really into it because we had we were bougie and we had um Foxtel. Foxtel. Mm-hmm. And I remember finding it one day like on the Discovery Channel or something and I cuz the investigation yeah, discovery. Yeah, there was about um a period of like 5 days where I wasn't sleeping and I was just doing anything to like try and like get me to nod off a little bit and 
yeah, I was watching Forensic Files. So that's when I first started watching it. And then I hadn't watched it in ages. And then obviously when we started doing this Forensic Files, like, episodes like either related to the Mm -hmm. cases that we are talking about or like maybe something similar Mm because it turns out a lot of guys kill women yeah lol not lol lol. it's a serious epidemic especially in our country um and i so i sort of got back into doing it and then when i found for this case that there was a forensic files episode i watched it so excuse me if the uh, language in this episode is a bit dramatic because I can hear like the the, the sound effects. And oh, the sound my effects. oh my god! It's an incredible vocal performance. Like as a um, oh god, are you gonna? You, she's making the gesture when I say as an actor because I'm an actor and that is my are you job. An actor, Jess. Oh my god! Did you guys know that Jess is an actor? Oh, have I spoken about this on air yet? I don't know. Don't know yet. Okay. Um. So, I I was back on Tinder briefly a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> to I don't know. I'm bored. Going through a crisis. Going through a crisis. Go on Tinder. No worries. Um, and going through a crisis. Go, go on, on Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, and I got chatting with this guy, and he was like, "Oh, so like, what do you do?" And I was like, "Oh, well." Because I have true crime in my bio, obviously, just to see if anyone's brave enough to talk about it, and if anyone's going to be interesting enough. And I told him about this podcast and so he started listening and then the next day he messaged and was like, you know, great job. Like the podcast is really awesome. Don't like, just want to ask, like, are you on Tinder to promote your podcast? And I was like, no, no, I don't need Tinder to promote my podcast. It's a very like one-on-one way of doing it. Like rather than just like a Facebook post. It's very hands-on. Yeah. Really getting in the trenches. But it's like, it's just an, it's an interest that I have and it's something that I do. And especially like the actor. And he was like, oh, well, because of all your I'm an actor lines. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? And I was like, we haven't spoken about me being an actor. And he's like, no, no, but your co-host Ellen seemed to like make fun of you every time that you brought up you're an actor. And I was Wait, like, Jess, are you an actor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's bloody funny, isn't she? Um, I'm really happy to have Ellen home briefly. It's really nice. We went and had breakfast this morning and then went and had another cup of coffee because we were waiting to get into the pod loft. (laughs) And here we are. Anyway, what a digression. Yes. Um, Okay. So I am going to be talking about uh, a man named Ivan John Jones who murdered a man called David Crawford. And it's also – oh, my God. So the Forensic File episode of this case was called – ticker tape i know how good they name their episodes just like oh fuck i could talk about forensic files for eight years we'll have to uh, well we will talk about forensic files we'll do a patreon episode about forensic files and we'll just great i'll do a binge and then we'll have loads to talk about sure that's the benefit of youtube is that it's all it's on, on netflix is it all of forensic files is absolutely okay with on the netflix. with the amount Oh, no, I have watched it on Netflix. Never mind. But it's just not up on – you know that you, you get stuck on your home screen sometimes. God, I've watched – oh, and then I've been hitting Stan hard lately, watching a lot of The Nanny. <laughs> God, that show's iconic. And it's like no wonder I'm dressing like such a freak at the moment because I'm watching so much of a 90s sitcom. We're just getting inspired by Fran. Love it. Okay. So, Avon John Jones, Pacemaker Murder. We're in Lafroy which is an old mining town in Tasmania. So uh, Beachford, which is like a bigger, like not a city, but like a little town, like 
that so you have to go through Lafroy to get to Beachford, which is on the coast. Um, I haven't been there. I'm sure it's lovely. I also haven't been there. I'm sure it's to Beachford or Lafroy. No, I've not been to either. Okay, cool. Well, we'll have to go. <laughs> Maybe and not. then neither of us can drive. I don't know how this Tasmanian trip's gonna go. I'm going to Tasmania to see Ellen, by the way, because she's come up to Brisbane so much. So I feel like I need to go and experience the cold, the killed, the killed. All right. So Lafroy, um, it was an old mining town. Basically, the gold rush happened in Australia and everybody freaked out. And then there was existence of gold in Lafroy. So um, it's really, 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 really tiny town. There's not a lot of residents, especially at the time of uh, this case. Um I love on the Forensic Files episodes, they're like, the people of the Froy, they're just people that want to be left alone. And I was like, same. Can I move there? <laughs> they just want to be left alone. A lot of people were um, retirees. Um, so we're at October 9th, the year 2000. Great year for Australia, hosting the Olympic Games. Sydney, yeah. Other things presumably happened also in 2000. How old were we? Seven? Eight. Seven or eight. Seven, I think. Seven, yeah. Because it would have been 1999 was year one for us. Yes. Yeah, cool. Um, so Backstory. Pardon? Our backstory. Backstory. If you want to know more about Ellen and Jess, go onto the Patreon and go to the Friendship Quiz episode where you can find out info. Stun in. Okay, so October 9th, 2000, Ivan John Jones went to his cousin's house to get a ride to his parents' house. Mate, Lefroy seems small. Unless they don't live in Lefroy, why didn't you walk? walk? That'd be great. And also less obvious. Um, so he got to his cousin's house. His cousin had a dog, so he took the dog for a walk. And on that walk, he found uh, the body of 72-year-old David Crawford, who was a retired officer of the Australian Navy. Now, David Crawford, for a 72-year-old, was quite active. Um, he spent a lot of time looking after the more elderly residents of Lafroy, taking over meals and driving them around if they needed. Also, just like giving people a helping hand. He was a top bloke. Um, he was social, but he was not like he wasn't like a party animal. He didn't have a lot of gatherings at his house. Um, but yeah, his free time was mostly spent by himself, or he would be visiting his grandchildren. Um, so David Crawford was dressed in his pajamas. According to investigators, it looked like he'd been awoken by something during the night, and you know, probably hadn't even worried about putting shoes or anything on, and just gone outside and he'd been assaulted. Uh, so Dr. Robert Kelsall, who was the forensic pathologist, went to the scene of the crime and was trying to determine the time of death on David Crawford. And I could imagine with um, like a place like Hobart where it is quite cold, it would be difficult to kind of determine a time of death because, um, you know, the – Yeah, depending on like what time he was outside, the temperature can vary quite wildly. So I don't know – if it would have like a hugely significant, but I can imagine that it would make it hard to narrow down. I think probably just getting time of death on any, in any case would be. It's not as, it's not as exact as TV makes you think. Yeah, it's it not is. as if you can be like, yep, they died at 11.36. Mm -hmm. because, it's in a range. Yeah, because basically what you have to do in order to gather somebody's time of death is that you have to um, like get the, um, like the, Oh, what is it? So the body temperature and then the ambient temperature, which is like um, the temperature of an environment or an object. So um, the time of death was put um, at somewhere between 4 and 7.30 in the morning, which is like 
Pretty big range. Yeah, that's like three and a half hours. So um, that's quite a bit of time. So there was nothing conclusive initially to narrow down the time of death. Uh, So neighbours had heard dogs barking at around 6am, but that wasn't out of the ordinary um, because there's quite a lot of native wildlife around. So like a kangaroo or something, that's so wild that like a kangaroo could be in your garden. How close, well, obviously you're in Hobart now. Yeah. Like how, do they come in like quite close to Hobart? Kangaroos are only in the, there's only one species of kangaroo in Tasmania and it's mostly confined to the Northeast, but we get wallabies, um, like (gasps) patty melons in our yard. Every day. Really? Yeah. Your backyard My backyard Your yes. backyard Cute. That's so cool. In my backyard Yeah, they're cute. That's we so name – we have names for them. Do you know that it's the same ones coming back? We know that it's one in particular because she's got a little patch missing on the back oh, and we call her, her Patricia. Oh, because she's got oh, yes. a little mew And then basically every other Patty Melon we see is Patrick. <laughs> That's clever. I like that. Um – so, buh, 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 buh. so yeah, native wildlife could have provoked the dogs to start barking. That wasn't really unusual. Um, so David Crawford's house, there wasn't um, any signs of forced entry, but David Crawford's wallet was missing. Um, inside the house, there wasn't any signs of foreign fingerprints. Um, and then outside on the lawn on David Crawford's house, they found what appeared to be a blood stain. Um, so they waited until the, um, the night after that David Crawford had been killed, they sprayed, sprayed the area with luminol and it was confirmed that it was blood and testing on the blood determined that it did belong to David Crawford. And the cool thing, well, it's not cool cause David Crawford was dead, but like the, um, imprint of the blood came out in the shape of an ax. That's some supernatural shit. Yeah. So like. Obviously, an axe had been had been used. They weren't too sure, but like they could tell actually the um, they could tell like the, the murder weapon from like the blood spatter. Shape. Yeah, and they could actually tell what type of axe it was because that's how definitive the shape was. I've seen a photo of it, and we can post it in the show. No- we'll post a link to it in the show notes. You literally can see like it's crazy. That's wild. So it was a Canadian axe. So it was most likely that that was the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Lafroy being such a, like a small populated town, um, and it was likely, it, you know, it, with someone being murdered, there's a, it's a lot more likely that they were killed by somebody that they knew. So, um, they were left with quite a large suspect pool. Um, and the axe was missing. They did extensive searches and they couldn't find anything. Um, as I said before, with Lafroy being a mining town dating back to the 1840s, there were a lot of mining shafts around the town. Um, and a lot of them were underwater. So, um, you know, that's good a place to that's dispose a good place. of a murder weapon. Yeah, it's a good place to get rid of shit that you don't want found. Mm-hmm. So um, police used underwater cameras to search the mining shafts. And I can definitely recommend watching the Forensic Files episode for this part because they show like the underwater footage. It's really cool. And it also makes you go, I wonder how many other bodies are down there. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? Like go past a body of water and just go, I wonder if there's a body in there. <laughs> I spent about 95% of my time thinking about bodies. So, yeah. yes. Stunning. When I was like doing – I had a field trip and we were like hiking through the wilderness. I'm like there is for sure at least one dead body around. For sure. Um, so they did extensive searches through the mining shafts to find the axe and they even drained a dam in the area um, but no sign of them. So um, as I said, Lafroy – place where people wanted to be left alone. Uh, A lot of the residents were retirees and 
there were like rumors going around the town about these people because um, a lot of these elderly people had a bunch of cash stashed around, which is something that you hear of off more often than not that elderly people like keep stashes of cash at home, like under the mattress. Especially or I think in a small town where not a, like not a lot of access to a bank. Yeah, you know? and it was the year 2000, so it's not like it is now mm. where you can just, you know, go and tap your card. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously people would hear speculation and rumour like, oh, so-and-so's got a bunch of cash in the in their back garden or in their mattress. So, you know, um, you know, that could yep. have been a motive for David Crawford being killed was that maybe someone thought that he had a bunch of cash lying around. Who knows? Um, so police then learned that Ivan Jones, who found David Crawford at this stage, um, had reported seeing someone like around David's place. And Ivan had actually told David um, about this, that he'd seen someone prowling around the victim's house with a torch um, Jones had told the police what he told David Crawford and on a hunch they were like, mm, this guy found the body. He seems to think that like David Crawford was being stalked. Let's like have a check into this guy and yeah. see where he Let's was just, at the time know. of the murder. So Ivan Jones's alibi was that uh, at the at the time he was living with his sister. So his alibi was that he was asleep at his sister's house from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. His sister confirmed his alibi and said that she wasn't aware of him leaving the house. Um, then they moved on to Darcy McLean, who was Ivan's cousin. So he so Ivan had gone to Darcy's house that morning, asked a for a lift yeah. and to walk the dog. Um, so Darcy. Uh, said that he was home and he was asleep. But the thing was, Darcy lived alone. So he had no one to corroborate his lal- uh, his lullaby. His lullaby. His lullaby. He had no one to corroborate his alibi. So that makes him a bit more suspicious, suspicious. than Ivan. Uh, then Darcy told police that an axe had been stolen from his house um, and that his cousin, Ivan, so they're both like, not really pointing fingers at each other, but like but they're not not pointing. They're fingers. not not. He was um, Darcy was then like, "Oh, my cousin Ivan was acting like a bit of a weirdo the morning that we found David. Like, apparently, it was a bit out of the ordinary for him to come over, especially at like seven thirty in the morning, to be like, "Hey, give me a lift to my parents' house. Also, can I walk, walk your, your dog? dog real quick?" Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought yeah, you know. So, but the thing was, is that Ivan had an alibi that was corroborated by witnesses and Darcy Darcy didn't. didn't. So, not looking great for Darcy right now. So, okay, day after David Crawford's body was found, an autopsy was carried out at the Royal Hobart Hospital. Um, Cause of death was blunt force trauma. Trauma. Oh my god. Blunt force trauma. It was blunt force trauma to the head, which was most likely caused by an axe. Uh, David Crawford suffered from cardiomyopathy, or for us basics, basically just like heart disease. Um, And then that's when Dr. uh, Kelsall discovered that David Crawford had a heart pacemaker. Ooh. Juicy. Juicy. A heart pacemaker as opposed to all the other organ pacemakers you can have? I th- well, it was it 
they differentiated it as a heart pacemaker. So maybe, I don't know anything about pacemakers. No, neither. Um, so basically, for those of you who don't know, a pacemaker is a small device that helps maintain a healthy heart uh, by using electrical impulses. It consists of a battery and leads and sits under the skin on the left or right, right side of your chest. Um, the pacemaker sends electrical signals to your heart to help it keep beating at a normal rate Rhythm. because um, if you don't want your heart beating too fast and obviously you don't want your heart beating too slow. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also pacemakers have a recording device in them. So they ha- could actually have a definitive time, time of, of death, death on David Crawford, which would be great. But pacemakers work as a sort of like black box unit. So they only record and store memory for a really, really short amount of time. And then they re-record over it. And the autopsy of David Crawford actually occurred nearly 30 hours after the murder. So um, it was possible that the recording on David Crawford's pacemaker would have just been recorded over and then they wouldn't have had a definitive time. Um, But what was different about David Crawford's uh, pacemaker um, to other pacemakers in the time was that it actually had a computer chip in it so that they could put it into a reader and they got this like really, really detailed account and graph of the um, – Like his heartbeat. Yeah, of like what he was doing. So they um, basically had like a chronological order of David's movements, which is great. So they knew when he woke up, when he was outside, when he was being assaulted and when he finally died. So the shitty thing for David Crawford was is that there was actually a period of time between him being attacked and him – basically bleeding out and then finally dying. Oh, fuck. So the pacemaker record showed that David Crawford went to bed just before 10 p.m. Uh, he woke up at 4.46. At 4.54, his heart was beating at 100 beats a minute, which was when he was being attacked. The confrontation was finished at 5.04 a.m., so that's 10 minutes. Um, he lay bleeding and finally died exactly a half hour later at 5.34 a.m. Oh, no. Mm. So the scientists involved in the recovery of this information actually only had two hours to spare on the pacemaker. So if they'd wait, if they like didn't get to it, they would have had none yeah. of that information. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Um, so yeah, the pacemaker was about to reset and would have re- like would have recorded over the data. Um, so police then like discovered maybe why David Crawford had gotten out of bed. Um, his neighbor who lived across the street was in hospital and had asked David to keep an eye on the house. Um, and every, everyone knew basically that this guy was going to be in hospital and away from his home. So perfect opportunity for someone to to go and rub them if they were so inclined. Yeah. Um, so it was just a matter of finding out if, Ivan or Darcy had an alibi for 5.34 p.m. So Ivan and Darcy were still the lead suspects of this case. Um, So basically if Ivan or Darcy had committed the crime, it wasn't confirmed just yet, if they had waited a few more hours to find David Crawford, Mm -hmm. basically they would have gotten gotten away with with it. it. And uh, one of the investigators was like, look, if we didn't have the data from the pacemaker, it was probably likely that they would have gotten away with it. Ooh. So uh, Darcy McLean's alibi still couldn't be corroborated. And then Ivan Jones' sister was like, mm, so 
I saw him at like 1 a.m. when he, no, 3 a.m. when he asked for a cigarette and then she went to sleep and then woke up at the sound at 6 a.m. of Ivan having a shower. Sus. Little bit. Um, All these people need to start going to bed a lot earlier. Can I just interject? Who goes to sleep at 3 a.m.? Yeah, maybe. Go to bed early. Maybe they're on the piss. I don't know. Um, So. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean. Why else? Would you stay up till 3 a.m.? I don't know. Um, So she heard him in the shower at 6 a.m. So now he had basically no one to corroborate his alibi between 3 and 6. And with the murder occurring from four, like five to five and five thirty, not looking not looking great. great for old mate Ivan. So um, obviously, there was a lot of speculation that the shower that Ivan was taking was to get rid of evidence from the crime. Because turns out, if you assault someone with an axe, you're going to be covered with a shit ton of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so not cute. And they also discovered that his clothes had been washed. And that bleach, how heinous! Yeah, and that bleach had been used in the washing machine. Damn, suspicious as all hell. We can go on together with suspicious minds. Suspicious minds. Um. So okay. So looking a bit sus for Ivan. Uh, then police did a search on the home, and they found in a crawl space underneath the house a torch. Funny thing about this torch is that it wasn't covered in any dust, so it looked like it had been placed there very, very, very recently. Um, and uh, I always like I go, I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about, and then I like forget to scroll through when I don't yeah, know what I'm talking about. I do about the next. same thing. So obviously, they take the flashlight in for dusting to try and figure out like maybe there's it fingerprints had, or something. Yeah. So Debbie McCool. Shout, Shout out. out Debbie McCool. She's a badass animal uh, animalist. No, she's an analyst. Um, she was like, mm, they you know, checked the torch. There was no prints anywhere. There was no DNA. And then she was like, hmm, yeah, I'm just going to check underneath the on-off button real quick because that's always a place that people forget to like dust off and to clean off. And she was going to see if that, you know, if there was any um, skin scales or anything yeah. like that so she could get a DNA profile. Surprise, surprise. He didn't clean the button. Dirty skin cells underneath the on-off switch. Amazing. So, and there was enough There was enough skin cells, thank God, to get a DNA profile and they belonged to the victim, David Crawford. So why did Ivan have a torch belonging to David Crawford in his his house? So police were then theorising that Ivan Jones had decided to burglarise the house across the street um, he had stolen the axe from his cousin's house to break in, but um, awoke the neighbor's dog in the meantime and then was confronted by David Crawford. Crawford's like, what the fuck are you doing? And Ivan, in like a split decision, uh, attacked David Crawford. That sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, and then he went into David Crawford's house and took his wallet thing that's really shit about this murder apart from all of it apart from all of it um so the money that david crawford's in david crawford's wallet that um ivan jones stole equated to 
80 bucks. I mean, not that it would be like worth it if it was a larger sum of money, but like to be killed over $80, like it just makes you depressed. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he must have been desperate. Obviously, to yeah. like burglarize in the first pla- in the first place, yeah. but and a lot of you know rural towns in Tasmania, especially back in the day, you know had were very very poor. So I can imagine that there was you know some kind of need there, but also don't kill your neighbor with an axe for eighty dollars. Please don't. PSA, just not, not worth it. Just it's not worth it. Um. So Jones, Ivan Jones, then disposed of the axe and Crawford's wallet but decided to keep the torch. And the police investigators were like, that's weird. Why'd you do that? And he's like, oh, no. Mm. So torch. he obviously having the shower and making his presence known to his sister was trying to solidify his mm-hmm. alibi. Yeah. And then went with his cousin to try, like, to find the body. I think I feel like that's sus. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you've done it. I mean, don't murder anybody, obviously. No. That is the official stance of the podcast, but. It is a pretty common thing that, you know, police investigate whoever finds the, the body first. Yeah. So it, it is a way of making yourself seem a lot more suspicious. Yeah. So the trial um, for the murder of David Crawford was the first case in history to use data from a pacemaker. So fascinating. And he got found guilty, obviously. Uh, so he was sentenced to 20 years without parole. Um, So then six years into his sentence, Ivan Jones had been moved from Risdon Prison where Martin Bryant is to this day. Um, And he went to a minimum security prison called Hayes Prison Farm. Yeah, same as old mate. Same Mm -hmm. as old mate. And actually had been granted uh, granted like day releases from the prison on several occasions. What the fuck? He killed a guy with an axe. I feel like there needs to be some kind of inquiry into Hayes Prison Farm. I know it's closed down now, but I just don't understand how murderers and child murderers like O'Neill, the other guy who was there, they just shouldn't be released from prison. Please, no thank you. No thank you. No thank you. Maybe on drug offences, maybe. Maybe. Please not. Please don't let rapists and people that assault people and people that murder people out on just out for a wee visit. Just no going out to go for a fish or whatever. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Big nope. Big fucking nope. Um. So prison director Graham Barbara has like ref- doesn't comment on individual cases, but said that the Corrections Act allows inmates to like um to leave the prison, you know, just to like help with rehabilitation. And then they, uh, they also allow um, in like indigenous inmates to go out on like culturally significant events. Um, so October, 2001, obviously I said Ivan was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And then 2011, only 10 years later. So only have, having served half of his sentence, he was paroled. What? That's not okay with me. Definitely not. Um, so retire the the Launceston police officers Pat Grove and Bob Code, who were assigned to investigating David Crawford's uh, murder, obviously were you know a bit pissed. Like Ivan Jones was the prime suspect within forty eight hours of the murder happening, and um, you know. Jones was described, Ivan Jones was described as like a strange man with low intelligence, but a degree of cunning. Um, 
and he showed a lack of remorse and a lack of sensibility for his victim even on the day that he was sentenced. And it's like – and to quote uh, Mr. Code, he said, for Jones to be released on parole is a bloody joke and a cruel blow for the deceased family and the Tasmanian public generally because David Crawford's sister is interviewed in um, Forensic Files and it's just like, oh, the poor woman – um, he s- continues to say it's a disgrace and means that once again our system looks after offenders and shows no compassion for victims of crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, mis- and then Mr. Grove said, considering how callous the crime was, he definitely shouldn't have. S- he sh- definitely he sh- should have served more time than half of it. But then, after being paroled, basically the probate, like the um, on his probation, um, his parole hearing, it was like you must be free of illegal drugs for the rest of your life. Like no drug use. And then what does he do? Drugs. Yeah. So he's shoved back in prison. Good. Good. Um, so, yeah, they noted two registered victims to the case and relied on victim impact statements provided previously. Um, so, yeah, at, it, at the time of his first parole, um, he said that uh, – Actually, David Crawford and Ivan Jones had a bit of interaction with each other and David Crawford used to take him shopping. So, like, they had an established relationship and you still murdered him with an axe. You're a fucking freak. Um, so, yeah, with his, you know, he broke he broke parole, basically. Mm-hmm. He broke the prohibitions of his parole. So, he is now uh, paroled until 2025 on the condition that he refrains from drugs and alcohol. So, let's hope he does that. Or Let's he, hope does, he doesn't and he goes doesn't, back to jail. And he goes back to jail because that's fucked. And yeah, that is the short but sweet and incredibly distressing murder of David Crawford. There are two things I want to talk about. Okay. Number one, what the fuck parole people? Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about – have no, it was more bail that we were talking about in the Victorian episode. But like, what the fuck? This guy killed someone. I can't imagine what had occurred. Firstly, kind of, I can't imagine what his behaviour must have been like in Risden Prison for him to get sent to his prison farm. Yeah. Because, you know, you would think that he would have needed to be on his best behaviour. But still, it was my kind of understanding that, you know, if you commit certain crimes, you You're know. You're locked away and you, they throw away the key. Exactly. Like, I um, think maybe because he was 19. But 19 is still old enough. Yeah. You know, it, it, it makes me feel like the prison system or the court system or whatever, you know, when, when somebody like that gets released on parole, it makes it seem like it was not as much of a crime to kill David Crawford. Like, oh, it's not as bad as if, you know, we're only going to give you 10 years. It was, you know, it was a horrific axe murder And, like, he's still money. only, like, only 20, like 29 being released. He's, yeah. like, he's got plenty more murdering years ahead of him. And exactly. if he kills someone for 80 bucks, like, what's to say he'll do when there's – you know, $10,000 on the line. Exactly. How many people will he murder then? That frustrates me. And it's just it's just not how the system is supposed to work. My second point is, how cool is forensics? It's so cool. It's so cool. I can't believe that they could. I didn't – I have seen the Forensic Files episode. Mm. Um, clearly I retained no information <laughs> from it. Um, I can't believe they could work out what kind of axe it was. Yeah, the imprint. It's so like, it's so clear. And I think very clever to like wait till nightfall so they can use the luminol. So then they got like a really definitive print print of it. So you can literally see what shape axe it was. And And Debbie McCool. Debbie McCool. What a fucking boss. The McCoolest bitch on the planet. 
she was like, I'm just going to check under the on-off switch because, mm-hmm. like, she's like, that's always a place that people forget. Like, obviously, you're going to get, like, the stuff off the actual yeah. handle of it. But, yeah. First of all, how many torches do you think that she's examined to be like, oh, they always forget to clean underneath the on-off button. She must have seen a, a torch or two in her time. She must have seen a torch or two in her time. I think it's just incredible that, you know, something kind of almost as simple as a pacemaker was – like the the smoking gun, like something that obviously Jones would have had no idea about. Like, mm. you know, it's something that you can't plan for. Um, it's like if you had waited two more hours, you would have probably would have gotten, gotten, off, gotten off scot-free. Amazing. It's such an interesting case. It's I think it's cool that, you know, such an interesting like forensic discovery was made or like done for the first time like in Australia. Like that's a pretty cool – First one in history. And like – Obviously, it seems obvious to us now in, you know, I was about to say 2020, no, 2019. <laughs> but back then it must have been like, wow, we can like actually have a definitive time of when this guy's mm. like heart stopped beating. Because this is kind of like, you know, it's not early, early days of computers, but it's not, you know. We're still pretty. Readings and computers and that kind of computer forensic yeah. side of things was not as developed as it is now. And it just makes you think like. So obviously the assault lasted for 10 minutes and he lay bleeding from 5.04. So he was unconscious. He was basically, they figured out that he was unconscious because of the pace of his heart from mm-hmm. 5.04 and then officially it stopped beating from, uh, officially stopped beating at 5.34. It's just like, wow, how fucking heartless to obviously first to attack, do it in the first place. Yeah. Do it in the, in the first place, like kill a 72-year-old seemingly like, great guy that everybody gets along with and then also just to leave him dying. Mm. That in itself should have been like a, you know, a circumstance that affected his sentence, the fact that he left them there to die, that he was still alive when he left him. I know in other cases we've covered that that has been something that has been taken into consideration in the Wedderburn case, the fact that um, he was still alive after he'd been shot. Like that was a circumstance that was considered in sentencing. So I don't really know why that wasn't the case here as well. Good episode. Very interesting. Yeah, short and sharp, but, you know, all the info there. Thank you so much to Forensic Files for first existing and entertaining us for, Mm -hmm. you know, many, many years. We do appreciate your work. If you are a part of the elite squad of people who fall asleep to Forensic Files, let us know. Let us know. There is literally like, you know, a, a support group slash community of people who fall asleep to forensic files. Yeah. Like I – I because I, I, we've mentioned this before, but with like Law & Order, when I would go to my grandmother's house, it would always be on at midday on TV1. Mm-hmm. So comforting just to sit there and have my lunch and watch SVU. Yeah. And I think that's the same with forensic files. For sure. It's soothing in a way because everything gets tied up at the end. Yeah. You know, sometimes they don't always solve the cases, but it's very much like, hey, guys, justice is being served. And I We lo- put this perp away. Yeah. You know, sadly, that's not, as we know, sadly, that's not really that's not, how it goes down. No. But it is a fun kind of like, it's very much that cathartic experience. Because they definitely do wrap it up because they don't bring up, obviously, it was probably produced and released before yeah, um, Ivan like Jones. 2003 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, before Ivan Jones was paroled. So luckily they didn't end on that. Yeah, that would have been a downer. Yeah. Stop parole, like stop letting people out that have killed people. Mm-hmm. Unless they're like a billion years old. Yeah. If there's not when there's those aggravating circumstances. Yeah. Ugh. Anywho, okay, so we have 
one more one episode. More Tasmanian episode. And then we're on to South Australia. So if you have a episode in South Australia that you want, not an ep- if you have a case that you would like us to do an episode on in our South Australian season, please send us an email at murder in the land of Oz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Murder in the Land of Oz. You can find us on Instagram at Murder in the Land of Oz. Send us an email. Send us a selfie of you listening to Murder in the Land of Oz. Oh, that you- would be cute. Wouldn't it? Send us a selfie of you watching Forensic Files. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Do it. Stunning. Um, so, yes, we are on to South Australia. Um, thank you all so much. We actually didn't mention this last episode. Thank you all so much for um, the support that Mitlu has gained. We have broken 7,000 subscribers, um, which is wild. We do have some exciting stuff coming up later on in the year that we aren't able to talk about yet, but we will soon. Um, maybe some chances for you guys to come and meet us if you are in the Brisbane area. We will let you know when we have the info. Um, but yeah, we, Ellen and I are absolutely gobsmacked at the reception that this yeah. has had. Um, it has been a really, really fun year presenting the show for you. We are and obviously help uh, you know helping us both through this period of time where Ellen doesn't live in Brisbane anymore so it's good that we get to stay connected but it's also really great that you guys are enjoying it as well it's a fun little journey that I feel like we're all on together yeah um it's like the community of people that have you know sent us messages like help like giving us support also the people that are giving us criticism constructive or otherwise you know Shout out to you too, Pressures. Yeah. Um, Look, a comment's a comment. A comment's a comment and press is press. Right. So um, if you do like the work that we're doing here at Mitlu, please make sure to leave us a review. You can review us on iTunes. You can't do it on Spotify, unfortunately, which is stupid. Um, But you can review us on Facebook as well. Um, We really appreciate the support. Probably the people that we're talking to have already done this. but Like, yeah, doll, we've got it. Doll, yeah, you're good, you know, whatever. Um, but we really, really appreciate it and it's, you know, it's helpful for us. It also helps our self-esteem. Yes. It's exceptionally low at the moment. <laughs> exceptionally low. We need low anything that we can at. get, honestly. Yeah. Even if you hate the show, you could just be like, yeah, but, you know, Jess has a nice haircut. That would really help. That would help. I can't wait. I'm going to be dyeing my hair pink soon. I'm very excited. Everybody give Jess compliments when she dyes her hair pink. She needs it. Speaking of, we'll have to do a bulk up of episodes when I'm in the US of A. Oh, crap. I forgot you were going on holiday. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Wow. Now we're going to have to have a business meeting about that. Bye, everyone. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply. Get your broadband moving all around your home so you can start flexing in the living room. And that sourdough can start rising in the kitchen. For streaming from the front door to the attic, connect with our best ever Wi Fi all around your home. Sky Broadband. 
your world is limitless. For more information, see sky.ie forward slash speeds.